0: Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. So glad you could join us. You're listening to the fifth part in our series, Going Through the Book of Colossians. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Hey, if you're new uh, or just walking by, stopping by, my name's Harrison. I'm the pastor here. Just so honored you guys could be here this morning. Uh, We are in the midst of a series at a church, at this church, going through the Book of Colossians And uh, if you guys were here last week, we're picking up exactly where we left off. If you were not here last week, I encourage you, you can go online, check it out. If you weren't here, don't worry, it's all going to make sense. But we're in Colossians chapter 3, so I don't know how well you can see the screen because the wind's blowing it. So if you guys have a Bible, if you guys have your iPhones, you can follow along. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 1 is what I'm going to read today, and it says this in verse 1. You guys, if you hear last week, you've heard this. It says, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory, in glory. If you were here last week, you will know that we called this message Views from Above, and we're continuing that theme. And what we said last week is that if you have made a decision to follow Jesus in your life, something has happened. Every time you choose to follow Jesus, something has happened. You have been raised to life. And we talked a lot about perception, a lot about perspective. And this morning, I want to continue on this theme of perspective. I want to even go deeper because that's where Paul takes us. And and really. I want to talk today, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. I want to talk about this idea that our outcomes are greatly affected by our outlooks. In other words, our outlook has the ability to greatly impact our outcomes. You guys got that? So uh, if you guys, and I'll give you guys an example of this, uh, you might or may not know this, but last week we had the opportunity and the privilege uh, to give out over 120 backpacks uh, to single moms and their kids. Thanks to your guys' generosity and uh, all that good stuff. And uh, so last week we partnered uh, with Kalejo and, and their nonprofit who do amazing things here in St. Albert, and they had their event last Sunday where we handed out the backpacks and uh, wouldn't you know it's been like the hottest summer ever in the history of this place but the one day we had to be outside for multiple hours it was pouring rain and it was really cold like it was like plus 12 Uh, but it's really interesting because I was just thinking about it like I'm not going to sit here and tell you it wasn't cold because it was cold however uh, the group of us that was there 10 12 of us and some of us were there for three plus hours like although it was cold I felt like there was just this atmosphere of joy like, people were happy to be here. Everyone was smiling. Everyone was having a good time. Everyone was cracking jokes. And so what I just realized is, like, our outlook, like, when you have a mission, when you have something bigger, a reason you're there, it can greatly impact your outcome. Because I was just thinking about it, and I was just thinking to myself, you know what? Like, if it was actually, like, just pouring rain, which it was, I don't know if I could just go outside and stand in the rain for three hours. Just, like, doing nothing. Like, I think I would freeze to death. But what I realized, is like, if you have a bigger mission, if your life has something bigger that you attach it to, I can withstand the storms around me if I have a better outlook. I'll be able to greatly impact my outcomes. And so that's kind of the theme I want to talk about this morning, because that's what Paul talks about specifically in Colossians 3. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to show us how if we can begin to have a view from above, if we can look at things, uh, as Paul would say, with a heavenly perspective, it's going to change everything. And so what we're going to do is we're going to continue in Colossians 3. We're going to kind of just get through this. So what I want to do, I want to read Colossians chapter 3 verse 1, second half. Last week you'll know I looked at eight words. This week we're reading the rest. And I want you guys to paint a picture in your mind as I read this. Don't mind the screen. It's doing its own thing. It's possessed this morning. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. It says again, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart On things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, as you read this, this is supposed to create a word picture in our mind. Paul is trying to create a picture in our mind, he's trying to take us somewhere. He says, Since you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, I don't know about you guys, but the picture that comes to my mind is probably like a picture of heaven. Anyone else go there? Like my mind immediately goes to heaven. And so, really, like, it it can be really easy when you read this to think that just kind of plain and simple what Paul is saying. He's saying, in life, all you need to do is think about heaven. Just think about heaven. Anyone who's been in church long enough is kind of maybe, have you guys heard this before? Like, as Christians, we just got to think of heaven. If if you grew up in church, maybe young people, it's like, son, don't make that decision today because you want to get to heaven one day. Or, Or maybe for a lot of us, like, I don't know if you guys have ever met people like this. But it's kind of this idea like, yeah, like I know that I live here on earth. I understand that. But like, this isn't my home. You guys ever heard that before? Like, I'm just here passing by. This isn't my home. Heaven is my home. I'm just a temporary resident here. Anyone ever heard that before? A few people like, this is not my home. Heaven is my home. I'm just passing by. I'm just passing by. Some of us walking in the parking lot, just passing by this morning. But. What I want us to understand is there is nothing wrong with thinking about heaven. There's nothing wrong with thinking about something far away. But the truth is, that is not what Paul is actually trying to get us to do. And I would actually argue that when we read the Bible, one thing you'll understand about the New Testament is if you have this picture of God that says, All God wants for my life is to get me to heaven. If we have an eternal picture of God that says heaven is my home and therefore I despise where I am now, I would argue that's not actually a biblical picture. Because what Paul is trying to get us to do here is not to think about some realm in some distant place. What he's trying to do is he's trying to focus on something that is real. Not to say heaven isn't real, but let me explain. If you guys have been with us in this series, one thing that you'll know is that what Paul is doing, the reason he wrote this letter is because he's trying to guide this church back onto the proper path. Because it kind of steered away. And so one of the things the church in Colossae had done is they had kind of accepted this philosophical idea. At this time, there was philosophers, and the philosophers had this idea that there was this thing called the heavenly realms, and the heavenly realms were pure and eternal, and so what they decided and what they deduced was that because the heavenly realms are pure and eternal, the earth is temporal, and it's really nothing to even think about. And so there was kind of this joke with philosophers that the philosophers, if they would walk, they would fall into a hole. And the reason they would fall into the hole is because they were so focused on looking up. Because what had happened, they developed this this picture, and I want us to follow, I'm going somewhere, that said the up there is better than what's happening down here. And so what Paul is trying to do, Paul is trying to combat against that idea. Is everyone following? And what he's trying to say is that if we look up, our view up should never cause us to despise down here. And so he doesn't tell us to look at something airy-fairy. He doesn't tell us to look at clouds and playing harps and all these things some of us think about when we think of heaven. Instead, he says, look to the reality that is Christ. So here's the point I want us to make. When we have an eternal perspective and we begin to look from above, Our look from above should never cause us to despise what's happening down here. And I think a lot of times, one of the complaints that people have against Christians is this idea that Christians don't even care about the world. All they care about is trying to escape this place. For a lot of people, it's like, man, all I heard about Christians is they're telling me the world's going to end. And so what Paul is trying to do is he's trying to get us to focus back on the reality that is Christ again he says set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God what he's saying he's saying look to the reality of Jesus so I want us to understand this there is no version of following Jesus that is detached from humanity there is no version of following Jesus that is detached to humanity what that means is if I follow Jesus it should affect everything I do here on earth In fact, the idea of detachment from reality is not Christianity. That's actually closer to Buddhism. So I want to give you guys a point, and I think it's going to help us because I, I encourage you to understand this, that when we follow Jesus, it's not just hope for tomorrow. It's healing for today. So if you could write this down, write down, God has not called us to escape. If you're a Christian, God has not called us to escape. But what I believe is this. If God has not called us to escape, I believe that God has called us to create. Now, what I mean by that is this. One thing that if you believe in God, you can believe that his word is true. And what the Bible says is that we are created in the image of God. And for a lot of people, they don't really know what that means. Like, what does it mean that I'm created in the image of God? Now, I don't think it's necessarily talking about how we look physically, because the truth is you and I look different physically. And so God cannot necessarily look like all of us. I I do think that God's probably closer looking to us than a frog. But the truth is, I think when we talk about being created in the image of God, there's more to it than that. And one of the things I want us to understand, and one thing I believe to be true, when it what it means to be created in the image of God, is that God is a creator God. And I believe that God as creator and us being made in his image, he has given us the ability to be like him in the sense that we as people are actually able to create as well. I heard... T.D. Jakes say one time, and it wasn't necessarily profound, but it stuck out to me. He said, God has created a tree, a tree, but God has never created a chair because people create chairs. And the reason it stuck out to me as profound, because what he was saying is that for us as human, we are intrinsically creators. Everything that is happening today has come out of the minds of humans that God has given us. This microphone that is able to project, God didn't create it, but God has given us as people the ability to create. So here's where I'm going. I'm bringing this all back together. I believe that one of the greatest tragedies for people that follow God is that we have lost that ambition and we have lost that mission as people of God that God has called us to create And I believe one of the reasons that we despise that is because for a lot of people, we have a mindset that says, I just need to escape. Let me just see, where are we in the tribulation right now? What is revelation? Listen, God has not called you to escape. God has called us to create. And I believe this wholeheartedly. Understand, heaven is real. It's a real thing, real place. But if God wanted you to be there, you'd be there. And so what that means is for each and every one of us right here, God has called us to create. I believe as a church, God has called us to create. I believe every single one of you, you have creative potential that has come from our creator. And the greatest tragedy for the church is when we believe that our call is to escape. And I want you to understand this. It hasn't always been this way throughout church history. Maybe you don't know this, but Christianity and the church many times throughout history have actually been champions in creating. Can I let you know a couple of things that Christians have done? Maybe you didn't know this, but like college, university, and this one's ironic. It's actually a church thing. Christians created it. And I'll tell you why it's ironic, ironic because a lot of Christians are like, oh my gosh, I don't want my kid to go to college. They're going to lose their faith. But college, higher education came from the minds of people that follow Jesus, came from the minds of people that believe that God has called us to create. And it's not even just Christians, the church in and of itself. A lot of times, if you guys didn't know this, like in the mid-centuries, the church was champions for art, champions for music. Things that that we look at now, a lot of it came from the minds of Christians and the minds of the church. And I wonder today in 2021, how come we're not creating as much as we were then? Not to say we're doing nothing, but I think for a lot of us, it's because we have a mindset that says, I just need to escape. Heaven's my home. I'm just passing through. I'm just passing through. Should I talk about science? I know for a lot of us, it's like science, the enemy of God. But again, same thing throughout history. Even today, many of the monumental things we have learned have come from the minds of followers of Jesus. People that believe wholeheartedly that God has created us as intrinsic beings. And so there is more to be learned, more to be discovered. Nothing to run away from, nothing to hide from, but to lean into. I can go even further. You guys know Galileo Galilei? He was a Christian. Now, if you look at his story, the church wasn't that nice to him. But it was his belief in God that, that, that made him dig deeper. It helped him to understand how our earth rotates. And so where I want to go, what I want to encourage us is this. As a church, God has called us to be creators. And this is important because if you ever begin to develop a mindset that says, I just need to get out of here. This isn't my home. You'll begin to despise the very place that I believe God has called you to be and despise the thing that God has called you to do, which is to be a creator. Now, for a lot of us, maybe we're sitting there saying, you know what, Harrison, like, I don't have a creative bone in my body. Like, I can barely draw a circle. Like, what do you mean? I don't, I'm like, how can I create? But you need to understand something. Our creative potential, it's not just to create and invent things, but it's actually, I believe, in ways where God has called us to create atmospheres. God has called us to create cultures. I believe that wherever you are, God is calling you to shift the atmosphere. Now, some of us are saying, well, Harrison, how do I do that? Well, Paul actually gives us a couple things that we can do. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, if you're following along. I think it's on the screen, too. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bear with each other, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Listen, you want to shift the atmosphere, you want to change the culture, clothe yourself in compassion clothe yourself in kindness in gentleness in patience now listen a lot of you guys are going to think Harrison are you talking about me and it's not like a specific person I have these conversations far too many times and so if you feel called out it's nothing personal but I talk to so many people and it's like I just can't stand my work and the reason I can't stand the work is because I can't stand the people the atmosphere is just terrible everyone gossips everyone's mean I just need to leave well I want to encourage you maybe you do need to leave But maybe instead of escaping, God is calling you to create. What if God was calling you to shift the atmosphere at your job? To create a place where instead of gossip, you began to clothe yourself with humility, with kindness, with love. And it just starts with one person. It just takes one person to shift the atmosphere. Listen, it takes one person to say, hey, let's redirect the conversation. Listen, I know for a lot of you, you cannot stand your boss because he's telling you to go back to work or she's telling you to go back to work. I want to work at home forever. And you group chat the whole whole office. I can't believe they're making me go back. Hey, listen, you want to know what humility is? Humility is saying I'm not in charge, so I'm going to submit to the person who is. And say, maybe it's not my vision, but it's their vision. And maybe instead of gossiping, maybe instead of complaining, I'm going to shift the atmosphere so that I can actually have special favor with my boss. I'll tell you what doesn't give you favor, complaining, gossiping. And listen, God has not called us to that. That's why he says, clothe yourself. I just believe this to be true. What if we could begin to say, where I go is holy. Let's stop searching for holy places. Let's start making holy places. This place is holy because I'm there. My friend group is holy because I'm there. This group is set apart because I'm there. And it starts with one, and then it becomes two, and then it becomes three. And all of a sudden, the atmosphere begins to shift. All of a sudden, the atmosphere begins to change. So I want to encourage someone right now that is stuck in the book of Revelation trying to calculate prophecy. Where are we right now? How about this? How about you begin to calculate how I can shift the atmosphere in my life? How I can shift the atmosphere in my family? How I can shift the atmosphere in my household? Because as creators, we have the ability to create. And so far, so, so often I should say, the church, instead of creating culture, we're just trying to keep up but I believe as people of God, as culture creators, as culture carriers, we can shift the atmosphere. I'll give you guys a small story. You guys know a couple months ago we did a drive-in movie. Larry Oleksiak, I think is how you pronounce it, field. I always say it wrong. You guys, anyone was there for that? Drive-in movie. Second year we've done it. Amazing. Partner with the city of St. Albert. So cool. We want to bless our community. One thing that I saw, um, we did that event a couple months ago. The city of St. Albert, a couple weeks ago, put on a drive-in movie experience at Larry Oleksiak Field, which is amazing, blessing our community. Now, I'm not here to say that it's because of us, because they've done drive-ins in the past, I believe, but I don't think they've ever done a drive-in there. And so I just began to think, what if we were actually able to influence the city? What if they did that because we led the way? What if because we first blessed the city, they piggybacked on it? And so it's a small example, but what if as a church, what if as a people, we could stop trying to play catch-up and we could just start creating and see all that God wants to do through us. And so the point I want to drive home as we change our perspective, here's the first thing we need to do, stop trying to escape and start looking to create. But Paul continues, Colossians 3 verse 2, he says, Therefore, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And so again, we know that he's not calling us to escape. He's not calling us to leave. But what does that mean then to set our mind on things above? What that means is as we we stay on this earth, as we journey on this earth, what we need to do is we need to realize that we have to change our filter. In other words, if I follow Jesus, I shouldn't filter the world the same way everyone else filters the world. So here's the point. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. We need to learn to filter from above. Not below. Filter from above. Not below. You see, one of the reasons, and this happened with the church in Colossae, and it happens today. One of the reasons that people will fall away from following Jesus is because they never understand how to adjust their filter, and so so instead of seeing the world as God calls us to see the world, we see it the same way everyone else sees it. But I want us to understand: the more you know Jesus the more your filter should be adjusted. I'll give you guys just an example of what that means. I'll try to break it down. Uh, Christy and I, last week, Christy's my wife, love her. uh, Last week we celebrated five years of marriage. Come on. Thank you so much. Uh, But we've been together uh, for 10 years, pretty well, all together, you mean 10 years um, in a couple months. And one thing, I know for a lot of you guys, you've been together with your spouses longer, some of you guys shorter, but, you realize this principle, the longer that you're with someone, the more you're able to filter what they actually say as opposed to what they're saying. You guys know what I'm talking about? So, for example, like if you don't know my wife and she says something like, I'm fine. You might be like, oh, she's fine. For me, I'm like, what's up? Like, what, like, what did I do this time, right? Like, and so, it's just because when I spend time with her, the way I filter things begins to change. You guys understand this principle? It's the same thing when I follow Jesus. If I follow Jesus, Paul says, set your mind on things above. What that means is I don't filter the way I see the world the same way people below filter the world. But what happens, for a lot of people, they claim to follow Jesus, yet they see the world the same way everyone else sees the world. And so things don't make sense. But I want you to understand this. The best way to filter from above and not below is to spend time with Jesus. I don't know if you believe this, you don't have to believe this, but I happen to believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Not that he wrote it with his hand, but that he inspired people. And I just happen to believe that when you understand Scripture, when you understand the Bible, it actually gives you a bird's eye view of the world. And the truth is that bird's eye view helps me filter the world, but I cannot get there if I never spend any time in it. And so the more I spend time outside of the Word, the more I'm going to filter life through the world. It's the same thing with Christian community. I know, like, it feels cool to be in the parking lot and all that good stuff, but the reason we have church is not to say, hey, let's do cool things. The reason we have church is to build community. And the reason you need community is because if you never have any people in your life that follow Jesus, the things that they will say to you will never be filtered through the proper lens. And so that will begin to become your dominant language. And so what Paul is encouraging us is we need to begin to filter from above, not below. And I'll tell you, here's a couple of clues if you're filtering this world around you, not from above, but from below. Number one, I would say the dominant thing in many of our lives and how we filter the world is we filter it through social media. And so what that means is whatever I see on social media, whatever I see online is truth. And we spend so much time there, we begin to live our lives. And I'll tell you one of the ways you can know you're filtering your life through that is if you fall into this trap that says, I just need more. My satisfaction will come with more. If I just have more followers, then I'll be content. If I just have more likes, then I'll be content. If I just have a little bit more, I can tell you if that is your dominant mindset, if you're living in constant comparison, chances are you're filtering from below, not from above. In the same breath, you guys know we have an election in September? How many of you guys are going to vote? You should vote. It's your electoral democratic duty Uh, And I encourage you to vote, but one thing I can tell you this, when it comes to politics, if your dominant language is something like this, my life is gonna change based on this election. Whatever happens in this election, if my party gets in, the world will be better. The world will be fixed as long as it's the liberals, as long as it's the conservatives, as long as it's the NDPs, my hope is in you, Justin. Understand, politics are fine. And I encourage you again, in a free country, exercise your democratic right but if you believe that the world is going to change based on politics you're filtering from below not above because the view from above lets us know there is one in charge and his name is Jesus and Jesus is king and I want you to understand the biblical worldview does not look to politicians to change it actually looks to the church Because there is a deep-seated belief that the church is the hope of the world, that what we do here actually matters, that we can create culture, that we can actually begin to change what's happening around us. We can shift the atmosphere. But for a lot of us, our filter is off. Another way you know if your filter is off is when you look at the world around and you ask questions such as, why is the world the way it is? If God is real, why is there suffering? If God is real, why is there death? Why has there been a global pandemic that never, ever, 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 ever ends? Like if, that, if there's a God, like why are all these things happening? And they seem like valid questions, but the truth is, and I want you to understand that, when you're asking these questions, what you don't know and what you don't realize is you're filtering from below, not above. Because the truth is, from the above, we don't understand everything, but God actually gives us a perspective on what's happening, not just in the global, but in our personal lives. God gives us a perspective. I'll try to explain it like this. I'm going to go to the book of Revelation. I've been talking about it a lot. Let me go there real quickly. Revelation chapter four, and this language is going to answer the question, number one, where is Jesus? And this language matches very perfectly to Colossians chapter three. So Revelation chapter, two, chapter four, verse two, it says, at once... I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. So really quickly, where is Jesus? He's enthroned in heavenly places, at the right hand of God. That's exactly what Colossians says as well. At once, John, who wrote Revelation, he sees Jesus on the throne. Here's the part I want us to see, verse 6. It says, also, in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal." Now, what you need to understand, and I'll tell you a really great way to to understand Revelation, Um, most of the symbols will connect back to the Old Testament. That's the best way to understand it. This is really quickly. um, Revelation talks about the Old Testament a whole lot more than you think it talks about the president. Just understand that. So, um, it says Jesus is sitting on a throne. He's enthroned, and what's in front of him is a sea of glass. He sees a sea. Now, you need to understand that in the Old Testament, the sea always represented chaos, The sea was a picture of chaos. And so for a lot of us, the sea is a picture of the world. Right? and the world is in constant and continual chaos. And so what Revelation is letting us know, this is really important, is that above the sea is Jesus. And so what we can take heart in is that above the sea, above the chaos, Jesus reigns. If you're wondering what Jesus is in hard times, he's on the throne and he's reigning. And this prophetic picture looking to the future of a sea of glass means one day, you need to understand this, it will not always be chaos. One day, the, the sea that is chaos will come to a standstill and Jesus will reign above it and the sea that was chaos will one day be calm and so we can have a hope and a picture that says whatever I'm going through right now whatever I'm experiencing it's only temporary because one day the sea of chaos will be a sea of glass and so we ask the question okay that's cool for the future but Harrison what is happening now where is Jesus now you're asking the wrong question Here's the right question. Why am I here? Don't ask what Jesus is doing. Ask, why has God placed me here? And when we take this whole message together, when we take what Paul is saying, what he's saying is that one day is all going to come, one day is all going to be at rest because Jesus is enthroned. But until then, set your mind on things above. Until then, God is not calling us to escape. God is calling us to create. And so for whatever question you're wondering, why is there hurting? Why is there brokenness? Why is there poverty? What if the answer is not why is there, but what can I do about it? Pastor, I just, I just don't understand how some people don't have enough. I just, I just don't understand it. Here's a better question. Why has God blessed you with such an amazing job? I know, I know, I know. I know you thought it was for a few extra square feet, put in the RRSPs. But what if the reason God has given you that is so you can be an answer to the very questions you're asking? What if if in a time of hopelessness, what if God actually planted Kingdom Church for a reason? That we can begin to be a light of the world That we can begin to be literally a city on a hill. What's up, St. Albert Fire? Good thing you can't put out the Holy Spirit fire. Come on, somebody. But I hope He puts out that fire wherever He's going. One thing, and if you guys are new, you don't know, um, our church is called Kingdom Church. And um, no, we're not Jehovah Witness, as I've explained in this series. Um, But the reason we called our church Kingdom Church is because we have this belief that when you follow Jesus, the kingdom of heaven does not refer to some far and distant place. Jesus, when he prays, he says, Father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so a part of following Jesus is bringing a little piece of heaven down to earth. And our core belief as a church is that we want to bring a little piece of heaven here to St. Albert. We want to make a difference in St. Albert. And that's why I'm so sorry for all the noise complaints this morning. In St. Albert, anyone, if you can hear me still. Because we want to bless this community. We want to make a difference in this community. Everything that we do is with the lens that says God has called us to create. Listen, this summer alone, we've done some amazing things. As I said, we had our drive-in movie service. Amazing able to bless so many people. This summer, in the midst of the heat wave, if you guys don't know this, we gave over 2,000 water bottles away downtown. Just blessing people, why? Because the kingdom starts here. The kingdom is here and now, Jesus says. In the same breath, why do we buy 120 backpacks? Why do we give away thousands of dollars? It's because we believe that God has called us to make a difference here and now. And when we begin to filter from above, not below questions from below say i don't understand what's going on from above says god what have you called me to do god what do you want me to do how can i make a difference here and now everything changes when we begin to adjust our filter when we view things from above and so paul finishes with this he says colossians chapter 3 verse 2 set your mind on things above not on earthly things for you died and your life is now hidden with christ in god Verse four, I want us to see this. He says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. He says, when Christ, who is your life, who is your life? Listen, I want to make a call right now. It's time to stop compartmentalizing our lives. And we compartmentalize two ways. If you're only thinking of heaven, only thinking of how to get out of here, your life is compartmentalized. And in the same way, if you're only thinking about what happens here, I only care about my job, I only care about my friends, I only care about my school, you're compartmentalizing your life. Paul is making the appeal. He's saying, let us make Jesus every part of our lives. Christ, who is your life, let's go all in. Let's go all in. Church, we're heading into a new season. Summer's done. It's been a hashtag, hot kingdom summer. Best summer ever. But as we go into the fall, I'm believing there is new opportunities, there is new mercy, there is new grace, there is new blessing. There are new people that need to experience the love of Jesus. And they don't need a church that's compartmentalized. They need a church that's all in. They need a people that is all in and saying, Jesus, I give you my everything. Use us to bless people, to bless my workplace. I want to shift the atmosphere. I want to change the world. And it starts with one person. It starts today with one decision. So I want to encourage you. If you've been on the sidelines, let's get in the game. If you've been asking questions, let's say, instead of asking what's up, say, God, what do you want me to do? How can I make a difference? Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We hope that message encouraged and inspired you. If you want more information, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We'd love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.